Yeah, what's happening? Ah, same old, same old. Say what now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. We, we got to get everybody caught up. <laughs> there were no new movie. Well, The Irishman. Have you seen Irishman yet or no? Have you seen Irishman yet on Netflix? Oh. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think it was a bad movie at all. I watched it all the way through, and I didn't. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. How's everything else going with you? Okay. Right. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Glad to hear it. Uh, same working, overworked, and uh, you know, trying to stay warm because it's been kind of cold out these days. So. Other than that, I know complaints. Okay. Well, now the only new one is the Irishman. Everything else is going to be stuff that came out already and then just getting caught up on the uh Mandalorian and the uh Watchmen. Hi. How you like it so far? <laughs> okay, that's what's up. Um I get, I get why everyone's. I mean, because everyone's on pins and needles over this, the, the 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 last Jedi shit. Because, and you know what, the leaks already confirmed. Uh, Out at, mm.
Oh, without question. Yeah, easily. <laughs> right, right, right. Yo, I I gotta give me I gotta give me a t shirt, man. Listen, Baby Yoda is gonna be the shit for Christmas. <laughs> I, I'm over. I'm all over it, man. I, I I'm sorry. I'm I'm on it. I'm on the hype train. I'm on the hype train. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes, sir. All right, once again, you are tuned into the Morning Star Show featuring Super Slot 75. I am your gracious and ever humble host, Super Slot 75. First, I want to give a shout out to Rod the Boards, our producer extraordinaire, Cindy Ashby. Um, also, uh, you can catch us on www.onthewakeofradio.com. We're always on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio for the replays. The call in number is always 646. 646- Five four seven one three zero five. Also, please feel free to donate any amounts, which will go to website and airtime. It's a labor of love, but we still live in a costly world. If you appreciate the free content, please help us keep the message uncensored and free. You can always donate through PayPal at onthewakeupradio at gmail.com. Also, you can find me on YouTube under SuperSlide75 and the backup channel, Heavily Flawed Individual. Merchandise is always available at teespring.com forward slash SuperSlide75. First things first, before I get started, I want to give a shout out to uh, Big B for the super chat. Thank you, bro. All right. So now we got a lot to catch up on tonight. I'm not going to rush through. I'm going to take my time and whatever we don't get tonight, we'll, we'll catch on the next uh, next go around. So first things first, the Mandalorian episode, what is this? Four. And all I, I got two words. All I can say is pretty much Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda steals this episode. <laughs> Disney's gonna make a shitload of money off of Baby Yoda uh, merchandise, and I'm I'm here for it. So let's get right into it, if y'all don't mind. So first things first, there's a village that's attacked by uh, Marauders. Uh, Mando and Baby Yoda are in flight. This is the hilarious scene. This is what everyone's been seeing all this weekend, all this last week. The memes and the, and the gifts of Baby Yoda touching the control panel, and then what people have been doing is they they put 
uh, songs, instrumentals, and the songs that he pushes the button. So every time he pushes a button, there's a song playing. And then Mando turns it off. <laughs> and then Baby Yoda looks at him again <laughs> and touches the button, and another song will play. And then Mando turns turns it off. But the, the, the last hilarious part is when he perks his ears up, and he just kind of leans back towards the button and pushes it one final time. Hilar- it is comedic gold. Like, um, if I had to compare, like, uh, Gizmo and Baby Groot and Baby Yoda as far as the cutest things, I'm, I'm going to go with Gizmo and Baby Yoda as a tie. Because that the cute factor is ridiculous with this thing. So, uh, so he's pushing the buttons. Mando tells him, stop pushing the buttons. So they land on a planet called Schwargen. Uh, This is the village that was attacked in the very beginning of the episode. Mando and Baby set out to explore. They go to a bar. Uh, Cara Dune, played by Gina Carano, former MMA fighter. Um, She was before Ronda Rousey. But Gina could actually fight. Big difference. Um, So she gives him a look. And then he asks the bartender about the the woman. He goes to look for her. There's a nice little montage to the Predator. He uses his uh, infrared to see her footprints in uh, in the dirt. So she, he's looking for her. She attacks him. They have a little skirmish, back and forth fight. The second uh, most popular meme and, and gif of Baby Yoda, while they're fighting, at the, towards the end of the fight, they, they pull pistols on each other. You see Baby Yoda sipping his juice in a cup, and he's making these slurping sounds as he's drinking, and he's just looking at them. It is the most hilarious thing on TV right now. Baby Yoda is it's, it's a landslide. <laughs> It's the wave is baby Yoda. <laughs> so he's looking at him while he's drinking his, his drinking his soup. So uh they go back to the bar together. She thought he was there to capture her because there's a bounty on her head as well. Uh so Mando's prepping to leave the planet because she was there first. And then he's offered a job by Quill Farmers. He agrees to help them in exchange for lodging and credits. Uh he offers Kara a job to help protect the farmers. From the Marauders. Okay. Uh, Minska. I think her name is Minska. She offers to Faye Baby Yoda and babysit. And there's a daughter, Winter. Uh, the host, Minska, asks how long has it been since he's taken off his mask. Here's a key part. In front of anyone, Mando says he was a foundling and that he was happy they took him in. So what people need to understand is the Mandalorians are not so, so much a race, but uh, you can join the clan. You just have to, have to adapt to their ways and, and creed. So there's different types of species of Mandalorians. It's not one spe- uh, specific race of, say, Mandalorians, okay? So then uh says he was a foundling. They took him in, said this is the way. He then removes his helmet when he leaves, when she leaves, so he, so he can eat his food. So they do take off the mask just in private so you can't see them, all right? So then they go tracking the Marauders, and they find Imperial uh, Walker ATST tracks. So Mando tells the villagers they can no longer live there. The villagers refuse to leave. Mando agrees to teach them how to fight. Mando and Kara will handle the ATST, and the villagers will take on the Marauders. Kara Dune was a drop soldier for the rebellion. Uh, they agreed to build a trap. Uh, Winter's mother is the best marksman. Uh, slight controversy. She ended up being the, they was teaching them how to target practice with the, with the laser pistols, and then everyone got upset because she can. She's a dead shot. So, you know, just whatever. Okay, so then Kara and Mando scout ahead. They find a marauder attack uh, outpost. They attack it. Set explosives. They blow up the camp. 
And once they blow up the camp, the ATST gives chase. The ATST pilots see the trap, and the Marauders begin to attack on foot while the ATST lays down suppressing fire. Kara lures the Walker into the trap. Kara then shoots one of the, one of the pilots in the cockpit. It falls down. Then Mando throws a grenade into the other cockpit as it explodes. Uh, Baby Yoda, after the, the whole skirmish is over, this is a few weeks went by. Uh, Baby Yoda's a hit with the kids. Uh, Minska tells Mando, Baby Yoda's happy here and fits right in. Kara asks, what happens if he takes off his mask? Mando says he could never put it back on again. So then Kara was like, well, don't you, you don't want to get with that nice young widow and, and make a family. And he, you know, he doesn't say anything at that point. So then it's been a few weeks since they defeated the village, uh, uh, defended the village. Uh, Mando tells Kara word travels fast and they should leave. Okay. Mando then tells Kara he's leaving uh, baby Yoda with the villagers. Mando tells Winter's mother he's leaving Yoda with them. And then another bounty's hunter is tracking them while they're talking. So Minska asks Mando if he's happy here. They want him to stay. You and your boy can have a good life. So Baby Yoda is a male. Okay. She says he could be a he could be a child for a while. Wouldn't that be nice? Mando's voice cracks. He says it would. So you can hear the you can hear the the, the, the pain in his voice. Like he wants to give it up, but you know, he just can't. Okay. So then he stops. He's, he's about to lift his mask off and he stops her. Mando says he doesn't belong here. Uh, Minska says uh, she will look after him like he's one of her own. Meanwhile, Baby Yoda's in a target sight of another bounty hunter and a shot is heard. And then it shows, and then they go to the bounty hunter. It shows Kara shoot, shooting the guy from the back. She saw him first. So then Mando and Kara go their separate ways. Mando leaves for the Ridgecrest. So that's the episode of Mandalorian. Um, that went episode four. <laughs> I think we got maybe four more episodes left in this series for the season. Um, so yeah, Baby Yoda is a complete huge hit. It, it's a marketing uh, bonanza for this show. If people are watching the show just for Baby Yoda alone. So um, that was the Mandalorian. And okay, so let's get into the episode y'all came here to see, to talk about. All right. So the Watchmen. Episode seven. Now we we understand that episode six left us a little bit upset and a bit disheartened. And I, I will say this that this episode has redeemed has redeemed itself and the image of the black man. <laughs> and let me let me say first and foremost, uh this episode should be called Hiram Abiff. And if you don't know who Hiram Abiff is, then you're not into masonry. You, you don't belong to a lodge. Um, this episode is a Masonic wet dream. I'm not saying that to throw shade. I'm just telling you, it's so. It, this episode is so deep. If you are in the lodge, or if you are, you are a brother in the cra- in the craft, this episode speaks to you deeply. So let's get into it now. First off. It, there's a documentary about John Oster, a.k.a. Dr. Manhattan. OK, uh, so basically, for those that haven't seen the movie, the reason why he stepped into the int- intrinsic generator field generator, he had to, he went to go get his girlfriend's watch. Remember, he picked up the watch and he got caught in, in the uh, in the generator. And then he ended up becoming basically a blue god. Um, 
There are no cars with combustible engines. Uh, they all run off lithium batteries. He gave them the technology to do the lithium batteries for watches, cars, anything with a combustible engine, anything with mechanical uh, devices is pretty much replaced with, with lithium. Okay, then Dr. Manhattan ends Vietnam. Vietnam becomes the 51st state. Dr. Manhattan's in, it's Dr. Manhattan Day in Saigon. So we're going back to uh, Angela's childhood, all right? Angela finds a DVD of Sister Night. It's a black exploitation film in a store. Angela shows her parents. Her dad tells her people who wear masks are dangerous because they're hiding something. As she goes to return the tape, she sees a puppeteer with a scar on his face give a backpack to a guy on a bicycle. The guy on the bicycle is a suicide bomber. He then jumps into the Jeep that's right behind her parents and says and screams death to the invaders and blows himself up, killing her parents. Okay. So then Angela wakes up present day. Lady True tells Angela, hey, Blake, call True to help with the, your, the nostalgia recovery. Uh, the, uh, Lady True injects her with nostalgia history process. It's called new uh pneumodialysis it is uh foreign memories have clogged her neural networks threatening higher cognitive functions it's called recollective infestation neurodialysis saturates the brain with cerebral spinal fluid and flushes the nostalgia from the cortex there's a cut scene of the cyclops file okay then we cut back angela wants to talk to her her grandfather uh lady true says no you cannot Angela lies to True about what knocked her out of the bed. Calvin attempts to visit Angela. He's greeted by a young hologram of Beyong, which is which is uh, True's daughter. Okay, he's denied due to the impending operation of the millennial clock. Meanwhile, Blake is listening to a tape recording of Angela repeating Will's actions to Judd. Petey went to Wade's or AKA Looking Glass's house finds the five dead cavalry members in the underground bunker, okay? He calls uh, calls Blake. Blake tells Petey, don't call it in. Blake goes to Judd's house to have a talk with his wife, all right? Uh, Blake tells her she knows who killed her husband. Mrs. Crawford says she thought Angela had no family. Crawford then asks, why would, why would Will want to kill her husband? Because at this point, uh, Blake spills all the beans, her whole theory, to Mrs. Crawford, Judge, Judge's wife, okay? She tells Crawford William was hooded justice and asks her if Cyclops meant anything to her. Blake tells Crawford she believes Will thought her husband was a part of the Cyclops, hence his murder. Blake tells Crawford she entertains the theory, uh, then tells Crawford, you you have to then worry about his friends like Joe Kane. She suspects Joe Kane was behind the White Knights and that the Seventh Cavalry is another name for Cyclops. And this is designed to get Joe Kane into the president's seat. Crawford says, well, that was the original idea, but the idea of president seemed small potatoes. Okay, and then Crawford reaches for a remote to activate the trap door on the couch Blake is sitting on. Blake falls through. Crawford calls Kane. Cut back to Lady Trues. 
Angela awakens again and is given an aptitude test by Beyond. Beyond says it's research for uh, her dissertation on the adaptive function of empathy and the role of rage suppression and social cohesion. She asks Angela, is it a hard line to the kids about being a cop? Angela says it's for the it's for their best interest and for them not to worry. Well, Beyond asks, if you don't want your kids to worry about a cop, then why are you a cop? This is deep shit, okay? So then we cut back to little Angela. She's in an orphanage. She then identifies one of the bomber's uh, accomplice, the puppeteer with the, the, the scar on his eye. Angela asks to listen to the torture session. The female cop gives her a badge to Angela and tells her, when you grow up, you come find me, and then you hear a gunshot. So they executed the guy, okay? The accomplice that that uh, helped murder her parents. All right, so then Beyond asks, well, whose, mem- whose memory did you experience? She says it was hers, okay? Beyond says she has dreams that she's an old woman and that she's scared at, and it hurts. She asks, well, how did it feel, Angela? To, and Angela says it hurts too, okay? We cut back to Adrian V. Ozymandias. Now, every time you see Veet, a year has gone by. So going back to episode two, every time you see him, it's a year has, has, has transgressed. All right. Remember, he said he's been there already four years previous. All right. So then he's on trial. The clones are the prosecutor and the jury. The game warden is the judge. Did anybody notice the skull and bones behind the judge? If you watch the episode, there's a skull and bones behind the game warden's bench, the judge. Okay. All right. So then he's being charged for trying to leave. And then the game warden asks him, well, do you have anything you want to say in, in, in your defense? Adrian, in his defense, lets out a large, a large fart and says the defense rests. The game warden brings in a bunch of pigs as an, as an example of a his his uh, peer, a jury of peers, and then they find him guilty. And then as they find him guilty, you see Adrian weeping. He said, shit, he sheds a tear. All right. Now we're back at Lady True's. Angela follows her tube to a locked room. Okay. Lady True tells Angela she has a secret plan to save humanity. All right. True inquires about how Angela came to Tulsa and inquires about Cal's car accident. Okay. True says total amnesia. It only happens in soap operas. There's no such thing as total amnesia. Angela says it happens. Angela asks, well, how do you, how do you know about Cal? True says, well, your grandfather told me everything about you. Okay. All right. So they had this, this back and forth. Like, I know what you know, but I'm gonna play it dumb. Even though, you know, you know, all right. So we're doing that. We're doing that game. Um, all right, all right, okay. So then True says, he didn't think you'd take the pills all at once. Angela asks, whose nostalgia is your daughter tolerating? True says, it's her own. True says, she's my mother. Before she died, I harvested her memories and had her cloned. She reintegrates her memories every night via an IV drip. So her daughter is actually a clone version of her mother. 
True says she's on the verge of completing her life's work. And is it wrong to have her parents with her? Angela asks, well, your dad here too? Lady True says he will be. My theory is that Adrian Veet is her father. That's my theory. I could be wrong, but we'll see in, in these next uh, two episodes. So then Angela asks, well, what does the clock do? Uh, Lady True says no. So then uh, going back, we cut back to Blake. Blake is being held hostage in a Cyclops warehouse containing a containment field. Senator Kane says he didn't see the hooded justice angle. Kane says Cyclops is about restoring balance and that it's hard being a white man in America. So why not try being a blue one? So basically what they want to do is catch uh, Dr. Manhattan in a containment field, suck him drive his powers and re re recreate the accident that, that transformed him so they can, the 7th Cavalry can be uh, Dr. Manhattan's per se. All right. So then during Lady True's press conference, she says nostalgia was a means for people to leave or to learn from the past and evolve. Instead, they became fixated on their most painful memories, choosing to experience the worst moments of their life over and over and over again. Because if unburdened, they would have to they would have no excuse to move gloriously into the future. OK, so uh, a lot of people that like to relive their traumas. They use it as a crutch because if they didn't have that trauma, they'd have to actually be accountable and actually be responsible and move forward. OK, so a lot of people that hold on to trauma don't want to move forward. That's why they keep reliving the trauma over and over again. That's that's pretty sharp. Angela goes to the grandfather's room and asks what and ask, uh, what do you want from her? She breaks into the room to find an elephant. Now, there's two reasons why the elephant's in the room. First thing is the elephant is the obvious uh, elephant in the room, a wink and a nod to who uh, Dr. Manhattan really is. Okay. That's the first reason. Second reason is reason why uh, Lady True has an elephant because elephants have the longest memories. They have the longest memories. So what she's doing is draining all the memories out of Angela into the elephant. Okay. Like a, a backup hard drive, a living hard drive. Okay. Then Angela, <laughs> she breaks in the room, elephant. Okay. And then, okay, so back at the orphanage, June comes for Angela and takes her home. June and Angela's dad fell out over him going to Vietnam to fight. June was not listed as next of kin. Angela says she wants to be a cop and she shows her the Sister Night tape. Angela tells June she's never seen it because her dad said people in masks are scary. June says that's because somebody in a mask scared him when he was little. Angela asks, does she have a grandpa? June says nothing. She doesn't even acknowledge the question. June doesn't answer. And then she asks, well, why Sister Knight? Angela says, because she looks like me. As Angela gets into the cab, June drops dead. Oh, we got a caller. Y'all let y'all call me when I'm cooking right now. Caller, what's happening? My man, what's what's up? What's going on? Talk to me, bro. Man, when you touched on the elephant in the room, yeah. I was here rolling. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, on point, on point, yes. <laughs> and, and, and that episode was, and I'm about to watch it again because I didn't get to watch the whole thing. 
Okay. I only saw portions of, I saw the part where um, she knocked out her husband and revealed who he was. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I saw the part. Um, I saw the part where they were um, taking the, the, the nostalgia out of her and pumping it in the elephant. And as soon as I saw the elephant in the room, I was like, oh, that's going to go back to either um, her grandfather or her husband. They're um, referring to when they're referring to the elephant in the room. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm just trying to catch up to you, bro, because you, you you be catching the shit that I be missing. Literally the organic backup computer right there. Yeah. That's literally what they're doing. But the part where she goes to her husband, I don't, I don't, I don't want to skip ahead of you, you know what I mean? But <laughs> the part where she goes to her husband and reveals who he is. Yeah. Now. And folks been watching other, um, like even the Maze Runner, the Maze Runner, um, a couple other shows out there where you see that they're referring to a blue liquid or, uh, um, even Avatar. Mm-hmm. Avatar, blue characters, because of blue. Um, the, ma- the Maze Runner, the liquid that they're pulling from the children is blue. That's right. Um, there's a couple other shows out there where they refer to blue liquid or the main character is a blue character or you see the blue flame like in in on DBZ now they have the blue god the blue god all power yeah. that they have the red and the blue god power yeah. now they're coming out with what they call the black the black tail saying people what they're, what they're telling you is this the, the powers of what they call the universe or the powers of the creation of life itself and the genetics of um, the beings who have created many things here on this planet here, right? And are, who are known to be um, creators of worlds. Um, the genetics flows within what they call the Negroid or Negro um, inhabitants of the planet. You got to understand that when you're going back to even, uh, and, and you refer to Hiram Abyss, Hiram Abyss was also known to be, or said to be, a dark-skinned male, um, a mathematician, one of the most supreme scientists to um, ever have lived in the Masonic world, and they have his body buried somewhere, his coffin somewhere, some tomb somewhere, that they still harvest um, memory, memories from and, and the knowledge from to this very day. Mm-hmm. But that goes back to, Mabiff being also of Negroid stock. Um, when they're showing the, the harvesting of the blue liquid and they're pumping it into other beings, it is um, it is what you call uh, those who have um, recessive genetics. Now, it doesn't mean that, because you have some folks out there, quote, unquote, black people out there that would say, well, it's because we're more superior. So, no. It's going into also other darker view um, beings out there as well who have recessive um, genes because you could be darker view and have recessive genes. There's a specific type of Negro people on this planet that has this far superior genetics than others who have the genetics of um, geniuses and who who are more um, um, whose body is more genetically built to suppress all sorts of diseases. Um, is more adaptable to the planet. So you, what you're seeing going on uh, also in the breeding of dogs and other animals is you're going to see them use like the, the, 
the, the dark dog, the black dog, to, to breed with other types of features of dogs to create a specific now type of dog gene, um, dog look, because what, it, what, that, what the genetics of the darker dog is doing is making the other dogs who normally have recessive genes stronger also as well. So Dr. Manhattan is the strongest character um, in Watchmen, period. And we know in the movie they made him like a Caucasian character, but he still had like a Negro feature to him also as well. And when you follow his storyline, and so when they moved him over to Mars, and he's creating a whole new um, being at Mars, when you go back through the history of the Mayans and the Aztecs, you're going to see a lot of the stuff um, that Dr. Manhattan was doing is related to them. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh-oh. Interference. They referred to also the timekeeper as well. Now, remember Dr. Manhattan, um, uh, um, when he was on Mars in the movie, he was creating something that started off looking like uh, a, a compass. Then it started off, it started off looking like a clock, then a compass, which a compass and a clock is pretty much the same. If people don't understand the, um, the mathematics that's behind it, right? Because you can also turn a clock and use it as a, um, a compass as well. It depends on how you set it up. But they, the, the structure that Dr. Manhattan was building when he was on Mars in the movie, it started off looking like a clock, then it started off looking like a compass. Now, when I'm speaking of a compass, I'm not talking of the compass that you that you guys know of today, that little small round dial with the numbers coming around it. It's, it's the old compasses, the ancient compasses that the ancestors used to use that looked like it was like a, a ball, like, um, uh, like copper wires, gold wires made as a ball coming together, put together, and then you had the centerpiece. Now, when they refer to also the um, when they throw when they throw that the, the, the sign of the three on the forehead of the sign of the cyclops, they separated the three fingers. The three fingers in 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 the scenes that I was watching, they were together. They were separated. So when you separate those three fingers, you'll see that the um. The finger to your, what is it called, your wedding finger. Your wedding finger comes down right in between with the, with the, the pointer and the thumb that will form the zero. So that will look like the third eye or the blocking out also of the third eye also as well. Now, when you draw a four, you draw a four, right? You draw a four corners to a four. Four corners to a four. One of the when you when you lock in one of the lines, it's a nut. You're gonna have the number four, and you're gonna have one, two, three lines left. So four, so three plus four is gonna give you seven. So these are the signs of like the the four and the um the seven the seven um seven also as well, right? So it's also giving you um the also giving you the um the signs where they have like the third eye blocked out. With the cross in the period, which is you could use the um cross. Also, yeah, yeah, like yeah, like man, that that whole that whole um series is is it, 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 it hasn't disappointed. The only part of disappointment was when they showed um putting justice going into the one eye, you know? Yeah, yeah, they're not like that. <laughs> but otherwise, from that. 
It's a crazy show. I ain't mad. I ain't mad. That, definitely. Past, present, and future. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good catch. Good catch. Definitely. Yep. And the way 
terminology to make black folks uh, attack each other, that's going to remind me of that old lower dimensional rituals that they used to make black folks go crazy on the Popeye's chicken. But it's similar to the lower dimensional technology they used before to make black folks uh, have the riots in the 1990s due to the ride to King Burger. That was another lower dimensional mesmeric uh, ritual that they did. It did too, along the, the same similar lower vibration. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So when you uh, look at it, you also look at the Trayvon Martin thing. They still push that lower vibrational thing when you talk about the video band and then why you niggas still worried about it. And I remember I put a comment in the box saying that any content creator is still concerned about that Trayvon Martin mess Neither have the head examined psychiatric-wise. I agree. You know, because uh, I remember, I remember, uh, I put a certain uh, Instagram post to an LAR movement to my uh, Facebook Instagram account talked about, you know, what David Kier, David Kier talked about. How can we diagnose the uh, dysfunction of uh, black women, which has been featured in the Washington a few times? The way she tried to get smart with smart with Blake. Norman Blake's track would go dealing with bad guys and acting like she don't know what's going on, acting stupid. So uh, I looked at the uh, two diagnoses of the uh, dysfunctional black female and I came up with the two, like access one, uh, dissonant matriarchal disorder, and then the second one, dissociate hypergamy disorder. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it all makes sense. But, but when you look at the way that they try to uh, emasculate true black man or true black masculinity in that show Watchmen, another show of propaganda. I'm just thinking, man, there's something about us being true, truly manly and masculine black men that they're really scared of for some reason. Something divine about it. That's why that's why I laugh at these folks, man, thinking that they can fool the uh, high districts of the universe. But every time they try to do that, they uh, get back to the drawing board like the caveman. You know, like, like like you said to the people on the panel back in the day, uh, try again. Try again. And, and, uh, no, you're not coming good enough. Try again. Right. Yeah, I hear you. You, you make sense. Yeah. But see, the thing about that uh, third down, the mess, the mess before that they talked about in the last episode, uh-huh. here's the thing. The only way that that Lord dimensional mess cannot mess with you is if your third eye is open. And that's what a lot of, a lot of some, some, some of these uh, messed up niggas and bitches don't get. If your third eye is open and your solar plexus is open, then that stuff cannot mess with you. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. All right, OG. Well, I thank you for calling in tonight, bro. Yes, sir. I will. Thank you. All right. All right. Calls are coming in fast and furious. Right on. Um, Okay. So getting back into the episode. So June drops dead. So now we're back at Lady True's. Uh, Angela enters a room and plays the phone recordings from all everybody that calls Dr. Manhattan. Okay. Because um, they're called Manhattan booths. True tells Angela... Uh, ignores people's prayers and that he's not on Mars. He's in Tulsa impersonating a human. True tells Angela 
Uh, Will put the idea in her head. True says Will came to her because he needed her resources to stop the Seventh Cavalry from capturing Doctor Manhattan and destroying him, and and then becoming him. Okay, Angela doesn't believe her. True says you didn't ask me who he is. Angela is leaving, and go home. Oh wait, 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 wait. Oh crap, crap. Uh, hold up, I can't even read my notes on this one. Hold up, Angela's leaving. Oh, okay, she rams Red Scare's car outside of the compound. All right, and then goes home while the Seventh Cavalry is staking out her home. Here is it. Here is the whole coup de gras. Now, Calvin is sleeping on the couch, and he's reading a book. The book he was holding is called "For Whom the Bell Tolls." And if you read that book, you know how deep that book is. All right, Angela tells Cal he's the best friend she ever had. She loves him. And that it's time to come out of the tunnel. She grabs a hammer. <laughs> of course, Cal's like, what? what do you, what's the hammer for? Because <laughs> this nigga really don't know who the fuck he is. It's so much symbolism. Even Don't even get into the whole, take out the Dr. Manhattan part of it. The symbolism of the black woman telling the, the black man, I need you to come out of that tunnel. I need you to be... The God that I know that's in that's in you. This is such a deep scene. Okay. Um, my God. Okay, so then <laughs> Angela tells Cal they talked about this before, and that uh there was there was no accident, it was a lie. Okay, so they could be together. So Calvin thinks she's on drugs and not herself. Angela says, no, you're not being yourself. And, and literally in four minutes, this scene just erases episode six, the whole gay shit with Will. I don't even care about that shit anymore, okay? Angela calls him John. Then she hits him in the head with the hammer. Hold up. Now, this is why we call it Hiram, Hiram Abiff. Hiram Abiff was a master mason. It was him, Solomon, and King Tyr, the three of the, the three of the elite master masons. Hiram Abiff had three um, un- underlings under him. They killed Hiram Abiff with a hammer because he wouldn't divulge the secrets. When you move up to the, to the third degree in masonry, they tell you the Hiram Abiff story. Okay, you don't learn about that to the third degree. They mention it roughly in the Bible here and there. And, and even in the second degree, they give you a glimpse of it. But once you cross the third degree, you become a master mason. At that point, you can run your own lodge. This is why I always said, people, if you're going to join a lodge, do not move past the third degree. Because once you do that, that's when you become beholden to your brothers. Third degree, you can run your own lodge. You, you're good. You're golden. Okay? You're good to go. But once you start moving up, the, up in the ranks, that's when it all goes left. All right. So... They killed him. He was missing for seven days. Solomon said, yo, where's the body? Where's my, I, ain't, I ain't seen my guy in, in seven days. Um, the three ruffians, the three ruffians, they said, oh, we found him. Whatever the case may be. Um, they changed the passwords. Uh, 
King Tyr, Solomon, and Hiram had, had an agreement. If that any one of them died, they would no longer keep uh, pursuing uh, the craft. They would they would just say, you know what? No more secrets. We, we, we would just shut it down. Okay. So this is how important the, the whole Hiram and Biff thing is. Okay. So now Angela knocks him out, hits him over the head with the hammer, and she's beating him in the head with the hammer. She pulls out his transformation ring. This is the, the device that allows him to become a human. The transformation ring is also the sign for hydrogen. Okay. So then as she pulls out the ring, you see the blue glow in her face. All right. And then she says, hey, baby, we're in fucking trouble. End. Holy shit. Now, there's three clues they gave us as to how uh, how we should have known that Cal was Dr. Manhattan. The first obvious one in this last episode, he was wearing a blue shirt, right? And he's wearing blue pants. He's wearing some blue shit. He's always wearing blue in this last episode. That was the first clue. Second clue was the conversation he had in episode three with Topher. Remember Topher, the little boy, was like, yo, what's what's after death or what's... And he's like, there's, there's nothing after that. There's nothing. There's nothing. And we were like, well, why would he tell a little kid that? That was the second clue. The third clue that I think everybody kind of missed and even myself Blake has a dildo in the shape of Dr. Manhattan it's fucking huge she calls it Excalibur all right and you're like well that don't mean shit okay well let's break down the word Excalibur Excal Abar Cal Abar it was him the whole time we just didn't catch the clues <laughs> those are your three clues as to he was the, he was the man um magnificent episode uh beautifully written this is hands down the best written show on tv i don't give a fuck what show you you put in front of me this show blows it out the water okay um you would have to know some some things uh in in certain circles to understand what the what the fuck they're talking about like my man dark man x said so that was episode seven. We got two more episodes left before the season uh, ends. Um, the comet that fell to the that fell on the farmer's property when Lady True had bought it from the from the couple. I'm going to assume that was uh, Adrian coming back to Earth. I'm going to assume his punishment is they kick him out of uh, Europa, bring him back to Earth, and some way somehow. Lady True gets a hold of him. Okay, got a call. All right. Caller, what's going on? It's hard, man. What's up, Swan? Talk to me, brother. Talk to me. I, bro, I got to just give you a round of applause. <laughs> so encouraging. But it was just like, that's what I was going to tell you last night, and that's what I was going to tell you. Like, damn. Like, and then, too, okay. This was what, it, like, I, he said everything about killing Dr. Manhattan and then becoming Dr. Manhattan. Like, that, to me, my third eye was just, like, being, like,
And like, remember, he's sitting there and he's building some shit, like he's building a bridge or whatever. But he's doing that shit, like levitating that shit. Like, you know, you remember that? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I'm like, my whole thing is, who is that little boy? Like, is that little boy Dr. Manhattan, son? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's up with him? Because I feel like that little boy got some kind of connection mm-hmm. to Dr. Manhattan, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll, we'll see it all play out uh, in, in these next two episodes. So I'm I'm stoked for it, man. Um, I definitely want to see the, the the interaction between uh, Manhattan and Angela and how that, you know, because like we said, he can see past, present, and future all at the same time. So when he told her, you know, I love you, she was like, well, you don't even know me. I'm like, it, it makes sense because he can see everything. Like he's seen it. He's already seen himself with this woman. So obvi- yeah, to him, obviously, he's already, you know, there. So um this is a deep. This was probably the best episode <laughs> so far. This entire show. It was, so, it was. It was just like it was written perfectly. But at the end of the day, like you said, like if you're not aware of certain things, shit was flying past people's eyes. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying like I was talking to one of my homeboys, and he woke too. We was talking about that shit, and I kind of broke it down like that, and he was like, "Man, he was like, I see what you're saying, just because it was just." It's always been veiled in allegory, like so much. But it was like they're like, "Look, man, like we can't just come out and say this shit to you." But here you go, like you know what I'm saying? Like pick for the pick for the meat and the balls. But yo, this is this is it's not, this shit is for you, black people, you black men. Yeah, wake the hell up. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like they're trying to destroy you. But come. Yeah, you're right. But, I- and I, before I go, I say this. I, I see. I think Dr. Manhattan might be like true father, true love. You know, that's, that's I, I thought happens. about it. Yeah, I, I've seen some theories post that, and I'm just like, man, that I wouldn't want it to be that way. I would want, I, I would hope it's Adrian that that's her father. I would hope so. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But, but ain't Adrian like with the seven Calvary though? No. Remember now, the seven Calvary is just a means to an end. The whole, the whole thing with, uh, with Adrian. Um, now he's the one that got referenced into, into the office. Um, and 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 if it was right, but we don't know that. But that's the thing. The, the the video. Remember, it was like three hours long, and they only gave us like the first five minutes of the preface of the video. What his plan was, because technically, he's the reason why black folks are getting reparations in that state to begin with, because he put the man in charge in the seat. You know. Yeah. That any time they show that shit during the show, that that little clip or segment of this show that they're showing has huge bearing and ramifications. Yeah. My man, I appreciate it. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and yeah, oh yeah. Call, I, I don't know, man. I might call in after the Irishman, too, though. I don't want to ruin that. It's all I'm good. Gonna, We're going to talk about it. Yeah, I'm about to watch Hawkeye. 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 I'm about to watch Hawk
Okay. Just to kind of just to get another view. I'll let you go back through it. All right, my man. All right, yes, you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yo, so my yeah, my final Watchmen rant. Um, I I just want people to understand that I've always said before there is a faction of of elites that want us to to take our rightful place. Um, for those that like to bark on the um, the aesthetic of what the black woman has become, um, it shouldn't take white people to write into a show to have the black woman raise. The black man up to a perpendicular level okay it shouldn't have to take white people to, to show this but um if this episode didn't speak to you as a melanated person i don't know what to tell you then you are then you are spiritually dead this was a beautifully written episode and got another caller y'all is really flaming my ass tonight with these calls call what's happening talk to me man <laughs> what's going on bro <laughs> Be some shit like that, would you? Uh, you know what? I, honestly, I just I just remember the movies, man, and he tossed it into the lake for no King Arthur tossed it into the lake for safekeeping. Remember, I, I, one movie I remember, she was the keeper of. The secrets, but that's, you know, that's like loosely Masonic reference. Man, I would have to go back and really dive into that. That's a deep ass question, bro. I will really have to de- dive deep into that shit. <laughs> my bad, my, my bad, family. You, 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 you brought the ex child, bro. I said, all right, man, I, I, gotta, I gotta ask this question. The hell with this. I gotta, I'm calling in. Watch. I'm gonna ask this question. I got to <laughs> Hey, you got me on that one. I think I got to go back and do homework on that one. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Please do, man. Break that down for me, man. That's just something else me. Get a better understanding. Of, 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 you know what I mean? For sure. For sure. What else is on your mind tonight? No, man. That was it, man. I just wanted to call in on that, on that part, man. And just, you know, man, keep doing what you're doing, man. I, man, I ain't got much. Uh, my that, man. Was my whole, that was my whole thing, Of man. course. Of course. I'm going to keep doing that. I appreciate you, bro. All right. For sure. For sure. Yes, sir. Damn, that was a good fucking question. He got me on that one. I got to do homework. Um, yeah, so uh, beautifully written episode. Um, shout out to Damon Lindelof and then the white folk. They write this shit because they tell you every time who you are and what you need to do. And um, they tell you. They tell you. So I don't know what to, t- know what to say at this point. All right, so with that being said, let's move on to our first movie review. This one's been catching a lot of heat. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of a uh, press, whether negative or or positive, however you view it. Um, the Irishman. I like this movie. Now, even though 
I did read Frank, Frank Sheehan's book years ago. Um, let, let, there's a lot of discrepancies between his book, this movie, and then even what actually happened as far as mob shit. So now look, at the end of the day, we don't know who killed Hoffa. The FBI knows who killed Hoffa. Frank Sheehan did not kill Hoffa. All right. And then, you know, the old the old story goes Hoffa was buried at the end at the end of Giant Stadium somewhere. Right. <clears throat> OK, so let's get into it. The Irishman. This is basically like the coming uh, uh, coming to America of, of Italian uh, mobster movies. It's got every fucking body in this motherfucker. Right. Um, Joe Pesci. You got Harvey Keitel. You had Ray Romano playing Will, Will Buffalino. Um, Al Pacino as Hoffa. Um, just I was just, just happy to see these guys on the screen together uh, one more time because you know they're getting older and they can't move like they do like they used to. So I, I like, I love the Goodfellas. I love Casino. Anytime you see De Niro and Pesci, um, you throw Pacino in the mix. It's a fucking done deal for me. So I enjoyed this movie, even though it's three hours long. I couldn't see all the the, the hate behind it. I enjoyed it, even though historically there's a lot of uh, discrepancies between this Frank's book and then even um, some stuff that even the Iceman, uh, Richard Coakling, uh, Col- Col- he even mentioned there's some things that that, that, that didn't add up. So, um, so let's get into it. So then we 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 have Russell and Frank they're driving out to a wedding. There's a flashback uh, when Frank and Russell first meet. Frank's a delivery driver and uh, first meets Russell at the gas station. Frank gets an offer to deliver steak for a mob guy. Okay. Frank gets a, a ghost empty load because he's, 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 he's delivering steaks to the mob guy. So the company he worked for gave him an empty load. Right. So then Frank consults with an attorney. That attorney is Ray Romano uh, playing uh, William uh, Buffalino uh, to sue for termination of for stealing. Frank goes to trial, gets his case dismissed. Frank meets Russell, who's Buffalino's cousin. All right. Frank and Russell again break bread. When I mean break bread, they actually actually broke bread. They were having bread with wine. Okay. So that's another, that's a biblical reference, bread with wine. And then um, Frank explains to Russell how he's able to speak Italian because Frank was in the First World War. Okay. Uh Frank takes jobs for Russell and Angela Bruno. Russell's wife is mob royalty. Russell used a drapery store as a front. Frank is given a job to collect money for a debt. Russell and uh, Carrie baptize Frank's daughter, Dolores. Uh, Whispers wants Frank to firebomb a Jewish storefront called the Cadillac Mining Company. But before he could do it... um, he, Frank does his recon on the, on the place. Before Frank firebombs the store, Angelo requests a meeting with him and Russell. Angelo asks, well, for who is uh, who, who you the bombing the, the storefront for? Frank says, whispers. Angelo tells Frank he's the other owner of the Cadillac Mining Company. Angelo tells Frank uh, whispers won't need his money back. Angelo tells Frank to thank Russell that he didn't let the Jewish mob have him. Now, you know, everyone talks about the Italian mob, but the Jewish mafia, just as tough, money's just as long, just as ruthless. You just don't have, you don't see a lot of movies on the Jewish mafia like that. I wonder why. Um, Frank offers to kill Whispers, and he does as a favor uh, for for Angelo let him slide. 
Frank becomes a hitman. Uh, Russell and Carrie can't have kids. Frank's oldest daughter, uh, Dolores, is always looking at at uh, Russell funny. She has this weird look. And she's always looking at her dad real funny, and she looks at Russell real funny. And you know, her dad's always like, "Ah, she's a kid. She's weird. You know, whatever." And she, Frank's, I mean, Russell's like, "Ah, you know, she's a kid. I, I don't trip off that stuff." Okay. Um, okay. 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 So then Russell. She looks at Russell. Russell tells Frank uh, the union guy is having problems. Now this is where it gets into the union, the Teamsters. Uh, this is where this, this goes into casino because we all know Teamster money was used to help build Vegas, right? Um, and they all the ex, all the exploits out. In, you know, this is where you 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 would you would queue in casino at that at this point. Okay, so then Russell wants Frank in Chicago to meet with Jimmy Hoffa. Played by Al Pacino, Frank has to sign up cab drivers for Hoffa's union instead of the, uh, the competition. So what they do is they dump the competitors' cabs into Lake Michigan and firebomb the rest. Frank meets with Jimmy. Uh, Peggy takes a liking to Jimmy, and they move to Chicago. Okay, uh, Alan Dor- Dorfman uh, runs the insurance company that handles the loans that Hoffa gave out from the Teamsters pension fund. Sam Giancana was a client of Hoffa's. Kennedy gets elected, makes Bobby attorney general. Bobby Kennedy went after the Hoffa and the Teamsters and the mobsters that helped put Kennedy in office. Old man Kennedy, uh, John's daddy, uh, the guy, he actually got mob money to help run his bootlegging liquor stuff. He got money from the mob to help him do that. Years on the road, it, as a favor, they conspired to get, you know, John into the in the president's seat. So what ended up happening once they did that, Bobby went ape shit and went after the mob. This is why the FBI with Sam Giancana went after Bobby Kennedy, and then the CIA went after John Kennedy. <laughs> so you have two warring factions. CIA, FBI don't like each other. They don't get along. They really don't get along. And as repayment for each other, they killed each other's assets. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. All right. So, okay, then Frank meets with Jimmy and uh, runs an insurance company. Okay. Kennedy gets elected. Bobby uh, makes Bobby attorney general. Bobby Kennedy went after the, 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 the mob. Uh, Peggy gets ice skates from Russell and gives him. A, okay, so that the scene where Peggy gets ice skates from, uh, from Russell for Christmas. And she's like, you know, she's real funky with the, with the attitude. You know what I mean? Um Hoffa's team made Johnny Arick's son general organizer and paid him 36 grand and he sells insurance to his, his father's uncles. This is what got Hoffa in trouble. This is why Hoffa's mad at his team. All right. Uh, Russell and the old timers want Fidel Castro out of Cuba. Uh, Frank drives a truck to Baltimore to pick up weapons from the military and drops a truck off in Florida. Castro survives the coup. Remember back in the 60s, they tried to get Castro out of there. With the, with the military coup, and it didn't work. Um, okay, so then the old timers try to convince John Kennedy's dad to talk. Oh, wait. Jack, I'm sorry. The old timers try to convince Jack Kennedy to talk to John to talk Bobby to lay off of Jimmy. Okay, Frank goes to Vegas with Jimmy for a Teamsters rally. Hoffa and Frank have a discussion about Fritz. Tony Pro, a former cop, becomes union leader in Jersey. 
Jimmy wants Frank to run for union president of local 326. Frank accepts. Jimmy comes under fire for his wife owning a trucking company during testimony. There's an, an assassination attempt on Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, his son jumps in. Um, Buffalino and staff are picking uh, potential jurors to pay off during his trial. This is and then and, and this is all during the, the Cuban Missile Missile Crisis. Okay, so one of Hoffa's guys, Big Eddie, is wearing a a wire for the feds. The feds have a pick of a state trooper being paid off. Kennedy's assassination takes place. They got fed up with him. Okay. So then Jimmy doesn't allow his flag to be flown at half mast over the Teamsters building. Uh, when, when Hoffa asks, how do you feel about uh, John being killed or what is in reference to his brother? He said his brother's just an attorney now. So that he already knew his protection was gone. As far as, you know, uh, Bobby couldn't run. He couldn't run to, to his big brother for help. Because remember, he, you know, they, they got they whacked him after that. OK, um, Hoffa is convicted of tampering and sent to federal prison. Fritz is cavorting with Tony Poe. Dorfman is holding up loans that Fitz approved. Russell wants Frank to light a fire under Fritz. Tony Poe was arrested by the feds for extortion for seven years and sent to the same prison as Jimmy. Tony wants Jimmy to get back in his to get back his one point two million dollars he lost, but Jimmy still has his one point five million dollars his his money. Jimmy explains to Tony that Tony was convicted of extortion. Jimmy was convicted of fraud. The difference is Jimmy never threatened anybody. Tony attacks Jimmy in prison. <laughs> Crazy Joe orders a hit on the Teamsters president. Crazy Joe offers Russell. Uh, Frank defuses. Russell wants Joe dead. Frank goes to Joe's spot to kill Joe. Frank guns him down. Now, what, ha what happened was uh, Joe disrespected Russell. Russell was wearing a pen. It said the Italian-American Civil Rights League. And he's like, oh, what is, what is this? What is that? Right? That's what sparked it all off. Peggy's daughter looks at her dad while the news of Joe's death is being reported. So every time something happens in the news with a murder, Peggy's looking at her dad like this. Okay. All right. Uh, Jimmy gets a presidential pardon after giving 500K to Nixon's reelection committee. Okay. They report the eavesdropping of Democratic National Convention by a guy named McCord. Jimmy wants back in the union presidency, but has to make peace with Tony Pro. Tony Pro is the guy that he got in a fight with in prison. They are out there. Everybody's free now. Okay. Jimmy wants Tony to endorse him. Tony wants an apology for the ethics, ethics slur that he used to him in prison. Jimmy Hoffa uh, is racially insensitive. He, he said, you people. And Tony, Tony was like, what do you mean you people? Okay. So <laughs> had all Hoffa had to do was to say, I'm sorry. He couldn't do it. <laughs> He couldn't do it. He got mad because Tony, they're in Florida. So Frank and and, and Hoffa wearing suits because it's a meeting. Tony shows up wearing an open shirt and shorts. It's Florida and it's hot. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a funny back and forth. All right. Um, what's his name? Tony threatens to kill Jimmy's granddaughter and talks break down. Jimmy wants Tony clipped. Permission is denied. Fitz wants his son to take Dave Johnson's spot at the local 299. Dave is Jimmy's friend. 
Fitz has Dave's yacht blown up as a message. Then in return, Jimmy has Fitz's car blown up. Fitz in returns fires Jimmy's wife. Tony Salerno wants Jimmy off the campaign trail. Jimmy rebuffs Tony's request. Tony, Tony Salerno is a big dog. Okay. Tony Salerno is a big dog. When Tony says something, you do it. Okay. At Frank's dinner, Tony tells Russell Jimmy threatens to snitch and he's been <laughs> and he's been stopping certain loans from going through Russell. Russell asks Jimmy, what's the issue? Russell tells Jimmy to step down and he can still run it. They say, yo, you can have the, your union spot back. You just can't be in the spotlight. You can't be in the forefront. We need you in the back. Jimmy doesn't want to be in the back. Jimmy wants to be out there in the front leading the charge. Okay. Um, okay. And then Jimmy rebuffs. Tony Salerno, Tony Pro, and Russell have a powwow. And Peggy notices how they're looking at Jimmy. Because Peggy likes Jimmy. She's, take, she's taking a liking to Jimmy. Okay. Russell gives Frank an Irish heritage ring. Russell tells Frank that Jimmy's out and he has no choice. Russell tells Frank um, if they can whack a president, they can whack a president of a union. So when Russell gives Frank the ring, Russell tells him, you're my boy now. Nobody can fuck with you. He's officially made. No one can touch this guy. Okay. It was a big deal. All right. So then Frank tells Jimmy, Tony meant what he says. Jimmy wants rebuffs again, their proposition, and that they wouldn't dare. Jimmy doesn't think they would ever whack him. Jimmy's like, they wouldn't dare. They wouldn't dare touch me. Jimmy says uh, they, they have evidence of something happens to him. So he played that card. If something happens to him, he would tapes and stuff would get leaked out. You can't do that. Okay. You just, that's just not common sense. Frank calls Jimmy and tells him after the wedding, they hope they can sit down and straighten it out. Jimmy says he's not going to the wedding. Jimmy wants to meet at the lake with Tony pro. Jimmy hangs up on Frank. Frank calls Jimmy again. And then he rethinks his decision about meeting with Tony pro. Okay. Russell tells Frank there's a change of plans and that Frank, that they're, they, that he won't be there in time for the meeting and that they did all they could for him. Russell tells Frank, don't go. Russell tells Frank he's flying into Detroit. Russell tells Frank either way he's going. Frank drives to a house where the hitmen are already waiting for Jimmy's son. They drive to meet uh, with Jimmy and they convince Jimmy to come back to the house with them. Okay. So they go to pick Jimmy up. Jimmy's like, oh, oh, hey, Frank, what are you doing here? Hey, man, I just, you know, whatever. And Frank knows, you know, it's it's the end for Jimmy. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, Jimmy walks in, sees the house is empty. As he turns, he tells Frank, let's get out of here. Frank turns and shoots Jimmy in the back of the head and then leaves to fly back in time for the wedding. Frank flies back home to the news of Hoffa's disappearance. And Peggy asks Frank, why hasn't he called uh, Joe's wife? Okay. Because everyone's playing dumb. And Peggy's like, well, have, why, why, haven't you, why you haven't I called his wife? Because at, at this point, everybody's close. They're all family at this point. They're, they're all close. Frank calls Joe's wife. Joe's wife, is, is she's hysterical. She's, you know, and Frank, you know, Frank's like, hey, you know, hey, you know, hey, hey, you need anything, you know, that type of shit. Hoffa's body is put into a crematorium. Everybody gets indicted. Everybody pleads the fifth. Tony goes back to prison for the murder of Tony Three Fingers. 
Russell has Frank wax Sal Briggs because he went to the Fed building without telling anybody, but Sal did. That person didn't let everybody know. So that was a bad hit. When they killed Sal Briggs, Sal Briggs was the uh the guy with the glasses, kind of kind of a tall, lanky guy. He looked he looked soft, but he was a killer. So they, that was a that was a bad hit when they killed him. That was a mistake. Okay. Um Russell got got pinched for telling Jimmy the weasel to strangle Jack Nafee over 25 grand, but Jimmy the Weasel was wearing a wire, a conspiracy to kill a witness. Frank got 18 years for arson. They're all in the same federal prison. Russell says he didn't want things with Jimmy to go that far. Russell went to the church, to the prison hospital, and then he dies. Frank gets out in time for his wife's funeral. She died of lung cancer. Frank goes to see Peggy at her banking job. She refuses to see him. Frank goes to see Dolores. Dolores tells him he had no idea what it was like for them growing up. They couldn't go to him with problems because of the terrible things he would do. There's one episode early in the, in the, in the movie when um, Dolores, I believe, was being, she's pushed by a store owner. And then Frank went to go confront the guy, beat the guy up pretty bad in front of Dolores. And she was like, oh, I can't tell dad this shit because <laughs> this will this happen. <laughs> All right. Um, Frank later goes to pick out his casket. There's a cameo by Action Bronson. Action Bronson is the... Uh, the, the casket guy. He's a seller. He sells the caskets. Anybody knows who Action Bronson is? He sounds like Ghostface. He's a, like a, a like a white version of Ghostface. He sounds dead on Ghostface. Like you go, you almost couldn't tell the two apart when they're rapping side by side. All right. Um, Frank chooses his burial because it's final, but not a final. But no, but no, not a final. Uh, feds are talking to Frank. They want to know what happened to Hoffa. He refuses to answer. Now the pastor asks Frank. Does he have any remorse? Frank says no. Frank shows the nurse family pics and the pic of Jimmy Hoffa. Frank talks with the pastor before the pastor leaves. He tells him to leave the door cracked open. End. Um, that was a three-hour movie. <laughs> These notes do not reflect a three-hour movie. I like the movie. If you're into mob movies, you should want to watch this. I don't know what else to tell you, period, point blank. Um, so yeah, with that being said, I'm gonna take a quick break and I'm gonna come back with my second movie review. And if we have time for a third one, I'll do that too. All right. So give me, I'll be back in about two and two. All right, cool. <laughs> you always tune me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> It was a, it was a man. It was a beautifully written episode. I can't even. I gotta go back and watch it just, just because. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. 
shit. That's funny. That is funny. I mean, yeah, you have to. Like, if, if, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't remember a, a bad Scorsese film. Like, he doesn't make bad movies, you know? Even his, even if, yeah. Yeah. More than likely, they're a comic book movie fan, and, and their feelings are hurt, and he, they, they're mad. Yeah, yeah, basically. There it is there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Boomer, I know, right? <laughs> ah, shit. Of course. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. You know what? Now let's 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 go let's go ahead and go right right back into it. I'm, feel, I'm feeling good. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Cause I thought about you. No, I thought about you this last week. I'm like, you know what? Rod's not gonna make me feel bad for not having enough ammo in the clip. So uh, I got plenty ammo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm prepared. I was like, not today, not this week. Now next week, I can't I can't speak on that. I don't know what this is, you know. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah. All right, and you're back with another episode of the Morning Star Show featuring Superslot 75. I am he, your humble and gracious host, Superslot 75. First, I want to give a shout out to Rod the Boards, our producer, uh, aka Boss uh, Cindy. You can always visit us on www.onthewakeupradio.com. We're always on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio for the replays. Uh, the call-in number is always is 646-547-1305. You can find me on YouTube under SuperSlide75 or the backup channel, uh, Heavily Flawed Individual. Um, merchandise is always available at teespring.com forward slash SuperSlide75. Also, please feel free to donate any amounts, which will always go to website and uh, airtime. It's a labor of love, but we still live in a costly world. If you appreciate the free content, please help us keep the message uncensored and free. You can always donate through PayPal at onthewakeupradio at gmail.com. Also, um, go follow, subscribe, 
on the YouTube, uh, on the Wake Up Radio, uh, the, the, the YouTube channel. Yes, there's a YouTube channel on the Wake Up Radio. We're like We're at like 950 subs. I need to get us to, to 50 more, at least to uh, get us to 1,000 so I can live stream from there and ruin everybody's movies like I always do. All right, so let's get back into this. First things first, let me shout out my man, my fellow Inquisitor, Truth Teller. Thank you, bro. I appreciate the uh, super chat, as always. Um, now, I have three movies I can play with for the rest of the next 45 minutes. These movie choices are The Green Inferno, The Belco Experiment, and Escape from New York. I kind of want to save Escape from New York for next week because it's a very, very good um a lot of good stuff in it. I don't want to kind of just run through that. So I'm going to take Escape from New York off the list tonight. So that leaves us with the Green Inferno and the Belco ex- Experiment. And I think I'm going to go ahead and go with the Belco Experiment. And if we got enough time, I'll catch the Green Inferno. If not, then it'll save it for next week. All right, so Belco Experiment. I did not go see this at the movies. I knew about it. I heard about it. But I did not go see it. So um, torture porn, basically. <laughs> A lot of people getting killed. <laughs> so here we go. Um, Bogota, Colombia. Uh, employees are driving to the Belco building. All of the guards have been replaced with new ones. Uh, employees walk into the building and head to their offices. Uh, all actions are being monitored by suits on close monitor TVs. Uh, there's a new hire named Danny. She has to be implemented with a tracer in case of kidnappings. Uh, Belco is a nonprofit that helps American companies facilitate the hiring of American employees for Latin countries. Mike asks, where is everybody? And the employee tells them they sent the locals home. He notices the guards are going into a, a, a hangar. Okay. A voice on the intercom says there's 80 employees and that most of them will be dead in eight hours. First task is to murder two employees in the next 30 minutes. Doesn't matter who's chosen or the methods used. So the phone and the phone lines are dead. Employees attempt to evacuate the, and the building is sealed in. Uh, the employees begin to panic. Some employees head to the roof. The CEO, the COO explains it's possibly a hoax. And to remain calm. Now, the funny thing is the COO has a special forces background. That's going to be key. All right. Mike tells the COO he doesn't think it's a hoax. The roof employees try flagging a security guard. One of the employees is shot in the head and the shot uh, rings out and two more employees are killed. The COO says it's not a bullet wound. They discovered it's the tracer tags implemented in their heads. That's why the Colombian nationals were sent home because they weren't chipped. Mike attempts to remove his chip via a box cutter. The intercom voice gives Mike 10 seconds to drop the box cutter or they will activate his device. Leandra is his woman is being pursued by an obsessed coworker. That's Wendell or Wendell. Mike's head is being stitched up. Two employees discover uh, more CCTV cameras. Uh, The COO, Barry, asks um, Evan, the security guard, for the keys to the armory. Evan won't give the keys to Mike. Or I'm sorry, his name is, uh, won't give the keys to to Barry. Barry, okay. Intercom voice tells them 
They're not allowed to dismantle any more cameras or remove tracer tags for they will not be given a countdown. There are 76 employees left. The intercom voice says 30 employees have to die in two hours. If not, 60 employees will be killed. Employees raid the kitchen looking for weapons. One employee pulls the fire alarm thinking it will bring help, but it's a self-enclosed system. One of the maintenance employees gets his head bashed in and dies. He was played by Michael Rooker. Ami, the one who bashed in his co-worker's head, spots Danny, the new recruit, uh, and attempts to kill her, but then is impaled on his steel screws as Danny pushes them both back against the wall. Barry, the COO, wants to discuss all options. Mike is against it. He says it's not going to stop. They won't let anyone live to tell about it. One employee mentions uh, Barry's special forces background. The employees decide to go to the roof to try to risk to raise banners to signal for help. Barry tries to sway Terry and to join his side and think about survival and be bold. And this isn't the time for timidity. Mike and Leandra have an argument about life and death philosophies. Wendell, Barry, and Terry blowtorch their way into the weapons cache. Uh, Evan turns off the torch. The security guy. The security guard guy. Wendell approaches Evan. Evan uh, draws down his weapon on window. Mike talks Evan down. Then Mike shoots the hose off the blowtorch. Barry tells Mike that was a stupid fucking move and they're going to get, you're going to need help. (laughs) Mike warns the others to watch out for window, Barry and Terry. Leandra thinks Mike is stupid because he's trying to be, he's trying to be rational and that you don't antagonize certain types of people. Leandra tells Mike it's human nature and it's every man for themselves. Some employees begin emptying water jugs thinking it's in the water. One employee writes a farewell letter. The employees are being shot (laughs) at while be trying to hang the banner from the guards down below. The intercom voice tells the tells the people on the explosion to. Oh, okay. The the intercom voice tells the people on the roof to stop, or their explosives will go off. Okay. Leandra tells Mike, "You can't save everyone." Mike begins to think about the location of the building. They have had tags in their heads for a year. He thinks they've been there just for this sole experiment. Leandra dismisses his theory. Norris, Terry, and Wendell ambush Mike with a fire extinguisher, knocking him unconscious. Wendell stabs Evan in the chest. Wendell Wendell takes the keys as Evan is laying dying in the staircase. And they kidnap Leandra. Okay. Barry rations out a few weapons, but keeps the majority of the ammo to himself to make the hard choices. All right. The rest of the employees are rounded up and including Mike and uh, Mike in the the lobby. So Barry separates the two. He says um, those with children under the age 11 to one side of the wall. And then he said those older 60 and older to the other side of the wall. And then everybody in the middle gets gets one in the head. Okay, so. Um, Barry tells Terry not to undermine him again. Barry says, this is the way we need order. Random employees are selected. An older man refuses to go and is gunned down. 
another woman is gunned down after the same. Who did he? Who did he, does he think he is to play God? Barry then goes down the line, shooting people in the back of the head. Mike tries tries to talk to Barry and says, "Hey, let me go. Give me your gun." Terry flips and tells Barry, "Hey, Mike tried to talk to me into giving me his gun." Barry tells Terry, "Well, shoot him." Before he could pull the trigger, the new hire Danny, still in the basement, hits the lights, and everybody scrambles for the stairs while the men begin to fire indiscriminately, and one of the gunmen is killed by an employee's being stabbed in the chest. Danny escapes into the elevator shaft. Barry tells Wendell to take out as many as possible. The intercom voice says 28 people are dead, and they have two minutes remaining. Barry, Terry, and Wendell are on the hunt. Leandra encounters Terry and gets the drop on him, then hesitates. The intercom voice says they've come up short, and three additional, 31 additional people uh, must be killed. <laughs> so then Terry's device goes off in his head. And then a succession of heads being exploded. Just people, just heads just ex- going off at this point. Intercom voice says the final stage is whomever has the most kills gets to leave the facility. Barry has 11. Wendell has seven. Vincent has one. Danny has one. Wendell butchers three people with a butcher knife. Vincent shoots a Muslim woman in the head. Jeez. Barry is is then propositioned by a female employee, but he snaps her neck and says, don't want to waste a bullet. Barry walks in in an elevator where Danny and the Mexican guy are hiding on top of the, in the shaft. Barry begins to shoot at the top of the elevator. Danny hops off in between the elevator shaft spaces while the Mexican guy gets crushed as the elevator goes to the top of the building. Uh, Barry becomes stuck as a result. Leandra runs across two employees who are, who are pulling the bombs out of the victims who were shot to use the bombs to blow a hole in the wall to freedom. Leandra gets on the intercom and says she's on the first floor. Leandra call, come, uh, she, she tells Mike, I'm on the first floor. Come get me. Uh, Wendell comes in first. Uh, Tyson and Leandra and get into a shootout with Wendell. Wendell is shot in the leg, but kills the two other employees with Landra. Landra uses a table for cover and pushes the table on top of Wendell, then begins to hack him in the face with an axe. Mike finds Landra. Danny climbs out of the elevator shaft. Barry frees himself from the elevator. Vincent is making Molotov cocktails. Okay. Mike takes the bombs, and then Vincent begins launching the cocktails at Mike and Leandra. They run into the stairwell where Barry begins to shoot at them. So Barry's chasing them while he's shooting at them. Vincent is shot, and so is Landra. Danny is shot in the head, getting off the elevator by Barry. Landra dies from her gunshot wound. Barry and Mike engage in a fist fight. Mike beats Barry in the head with a tape dispenser. <laughs> the intercom voice congratulates Mike. Uh, soldiers remove him and bring him into the hangar building uh, where he meets the voice and asks, him why the voice says they're part of an international organization that believes social scientists must be allowed to study human behavior unfettered by conventional concepts mike asks why what for the voice says science is a method gathering data the voice begins to ask his own questions mike asks so you've been watching on us on this this whole time The voice says, you're here to answer our questions. 
Mike says, then you see me put the explosives in my pocket. The voice asks, well, where are these explosives now? Mike says, on you. I put them all on you. And then Mike runs over to the, to the control board to detonate the, the bombs, wounding the voice, and then begins to shoot the, the other uh, wounded uh, employees. Mike then shoots the voice multiple times. Mike walks out of the building. As the camera pans out, there is a plethora of CTV screens showing other winners from the other Belco experiment sites. As a female voice says, end stage one, commence stage two. That was the Belco experiment. Um, pretty visceral. Pretty, I thought it was pretty accurate when it comes to the human psyche and survival. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was pretty much it. Um, what I got twenty minutes left. I got, I got time for one more, one more movie. We're gonna do the Green Inferno. Eli Roth, the Green Inferno. This is the cannibal movie, right? About the indigenous cannibal people. Right. Um, let me see here. Oh, Jervis. Uh, thank you for the cash app, Jervis. Appreciate it. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, let's see. Okay. The Green Inferno. All right. The indigenous people, their land is being terraformed. This is in, in, in the, uh, the Amazon, the rainforest in Peru. They're being bulldozed, and there's a protest at college campuses. There's a lecture on female circumcision. Muslims. Arabs, indigenous, and African cultures all engage in female genital mutilation. Uh, Alejandro plans a trip to the Amazon to stop an oil company from setting up an oil line underneath the Amazon villages and pull those the people out of it. Justine, whose father is an attorney for the UN, she joins the protest group to go to the Amazon to try and stop the bulldozing of the Amazon tribes in Peru. Their plan is to live stream their protest while disrupting the bulldozing. The protesters make their way into the Amazon. They see a, a black jaguar. Black jaguars are the guardians of nature. Okay. Some, some cultures see them as the guardians of nature. Others see them as uh, agents of hell. Okay. They impersonate UN workers and march into the zoning site. They attach themselves to trees and the, mili and the militia shows up. Justine has a gun to her head. The militia leader gets a call and they stand down. They get arrested and sent back to Peru. Everybody's celebrating except Justine because she's mad. Alejandro used her as bait. During the plane ride, their engine catches fire and they crash land into the Amazon. And here the fuckery goes. They are attacked and drugged by the indigenous tribe. They're taken back to the village and realize they're cannibals. Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> the village matriarch comes out and inspects the captives. They're put into animal cages except Jonah. Jonah is the big black guy, big soft black guy. Okay. He's given a concoction to drink and is laid down on a stone pyre. The matriarch removes. Oh my gosh. So she has this like hook claw thing, right? She then begins to remove his eye and eats it and removes his second eye and, and cuts out his tongue and eats both of them. His arm is chopped off. His legs are chopped off. His other arm is chopped off. And the matriarch finally removes his, his head 
and drinks his blood all while the guy is alive. Holy cow. They wash and salt Jonah's body parts for cooking. Alejandro tells the rest there's nothing they could do because they think they're the enemy. The Amazons begin to feed the village Jonah's cooked remains. <laughs> One of the girls uh, has extreme diarrhea. They concoct a plan to get the GPS before the battery goes dead back from the, pla the, crane, uh, the plane crash site. Alejandro admits uh, they didn't stop anything with the protest. They would just be more bulldozers coming. Carlos, the dead tour guide, was hired by a rival company to delay the competition so that his employer could get the, their pipeline built first. Alejandro says it was all a stunt, a, a huge PR stunt. Alejandro tells Justine everything is connected, the good guys and the bad guys. He mentions 9-11 and the war on drugs. Justine then begins to befriend one of the Amazon children. The women are removed and the matriarch inspects their vaginas and cuts each one of them. And Justine is selected. Justine has been selected for female uh, genitalia mutilation. Okay. One of the girls tries to escape to run to the river to get on the boat. She makes it to the boat. It's as far as we know. Back at the uh, the hut, Justine is returned back to the cage and tribal uh, uh, tribal decorations. They plan to escape that night. They're given cups of food to eat. The sick girl notices a tattoo patch at the bottom of her bowl that resembles her girlfriend that had escaped a few hours previous. All the bowls had patches of her skin. That had her tattoos in the bottom of the bowls. Then she no she notices the kids playing with patches of skin. And then the sick girl breaks. <laughs> she realizes it was the girl that just left. That, that escaped to the boat. She then breaks her bowl. And uses a shard to slice her own throat. Killing herself. In desperation. They stuff a bag of weed down her throat. Of the dead body. So when they consume it. They'll be too high to do anything. The Amazons are all passed out or high. Alejandro stays behind. One of them escapes, is caught and eaten alive because they have the munchies. Holy shit. During the escape, Justine uh, gets washed down river. They make it back to the plane and find the GPS and get recaptured. Okay. Justine wakes to find herself being prepped for female circumcision. Meanwhile, Daniel is having his legs broken. Daniel is covered in a green paste and is being covered and eaten by bullet ants. Okay, if you know what bullet ants are, they're these big black ants. They say their bite feels like a gunshot. So there's a there's a tribe in the Amazon as a rite of passage. They must insert their hand into a glove filled with bullet ants and they cannot say anything. They can't. They, they can't scream or cry in pain they gotta sit there and take it for however many minutes <clears throat> so yeah bullet ants are, are no they're like one of the biggest ants on the planet they're they're big they're big black and this their stings are pretty bad okay um <laughs> right before justine's circumcision they're interrupted by discovery of the head of a u.n worker okay uh, <laughs> The little girl that befriended Justine before cuts her bondage loose. 
Justine escapes and grabs a GPS from Daniel before the little girl slits his throat. Alejandro begs to be let out of the cage. The little girl shows Justine the path to freedom. The others give chase and she meets the black jaguar that lets her cross the river. The militia then attack the indigenous people and she convinces the militia to stop killing the indigenous folks. Weeks later, oh no, no, I'm sorry, not weeks later, Justine's put on the helicopter and testifies for her father and the UN, okay? She, prote she protects the indigenous and says she never met any cannibals and she sees another protest on the college campus. Then the shirts all have Alejandro's face on it. Okay. Now I didn't know this when I first watched this movie years ago. There's a mid-credit scene. So the one particular uh, cannibal, he's the enforcer. He's dressed in all black with yellow paint on his face. So mid-credit scene, Justine receives a phone call from Alejandro's sister saying she has a satellite image of her brother and they need to talk. The image shows Alejandro covered in black with the yellow paint face. So he's the new enforcer for the indigenous people. And that's the end of the movie. Um, this is pretty, pretty great. Yeah, how they did Jonah was pretty bad. I mean, everybody else was, was pretty bad. But, you know, for some odd reason, man, brothers, we catch, we catch it. We catch it bad. <laughs> we catch it bad, these movies. So, yo, um, I think I'm going to end it there. Uh, the call-in number, once again, is 646-547-1305. I'm going to hold the line open for maybe five more minutes before I wrap this thing up. So, uh, once again, I thank everybody that sent me Cash App and Snapchat. Truth Teller Jervis, uh, Big B, appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I'm all you maniacs that are watching me on YouTube right now on both channels. Uh, shout out to you guys and everybody that's listening to the sound of my voice. Uh, on on a wake up radio uh, com. Shout out to you guys. Um, let me see what else. I think that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna save these uh, for next week. So that gives me time to do more prep and get more movies locked down for you guys. Because um, yeah, I don't have much time to do this on the weekends. To get my prep work in, um, I guess some, let's let's talk some urban stuff. What's going on in, in urban media? Um, Kamala Harris dropped out. Okay, whoop de doo. Um, Tariq is a little bit short on the funds for the for his for his. Uh, yeah, let's take it real quick. All right. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, we, hey, when you mentioned the uh, black jaguar, the panther, guess what? As a part Native American on my mama's side, to the Choctaw lineage, that uh, panther jaguar is one of my totem allies, bro. Nice. And uh, that power that told me something out through a lot of the dark times, I must admit. The thing about the uh, panther jaguar, it also symbolizes the uh, hero's journey, hence the warrior's journey. Okay. So it symbolizes uh, your inner light being illuminated by embracing and understanding the darkness. Because you can't have the uh, light without the darkness. They're complementary and needing of each other as the two. Yin oh. and yang. Okay. Okay. Because so, uh, I remember when I first got initiated to, to, to the uh, ancient Omeka medicine wheel and culture. 
one of the tokens that came up to my circle was the fox. Another one was the panther. And another one was eagle. Now, the thing about the fox, uh, the fox is talked about a bit in the uh, this book called The uh, Prince by Nicola Machiavelli, where it talks about the laws of man and the laws of beast. So it says that when the laws of men fail, you must resort to the to the laws of beasts. Mm-hmm. And the mythology of Chiron the Centaur, who taught the princess Achilles and Hercules, you know, reference to that example. Okay. So the thing about the fox totem, that's the great spirit symbol for the Choctaw people, through my mama and uh, great-granddad's side of the family. Mm-hmm. And it says in the Prince by Nicola Machiavelli that uh, you use the nature of the uh, lion to deal with the wolves, which is the physical problems and physical threats. But you use the power of the fox to see the stairs of the traps, which is the mental and physical and political uh, traps and tools they have under the society. And it's interesting to notice that uh, the thing about the lion, last rival uh, sign is uh, Leo, since I was born on August 15th, 1969. Mm. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, because uh, one of my uh, former mentors who mentored me on the uh, on the spiritual path, saying that yeah, it was uh, you got to realize that 1969 was a pretty you know mystical year. That was the same year that uh, Jimi Hendrix uh, performed in Woodstock and came out with the. Uh, Deep song called about the six turned into the nine. That's right. Okay. All right. I'm I'm learning. I'm listening. I'm learning. Because when you look at the six and nine, the six and nine talks about the relationship between the divine star child seed and also the animal seed. The six refers to the animal seed, which is the Caucasian, and the nine refers to us as the melanated people. Hmm. So you look at the way that they treated us throughout the centuries, man, the way that all the other races of people treated us. We are with the divine star seed because when they uh, found the, this body of a black woman on the moon, which was like known to be like 1.5 million years old, those people that found it from NASA were told by certain government officials that if you say anything like this, they'd be dying consequences. And uh, Dr. Deborah Blair talked about it at length too. A dude that talked about the truth about the sun and other solar phenomena. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you uh, talked about that the powers that be, the certain people of the elite that want us to take our rightful place, this is uh, what, what uh, I've discussed with a friend of mine, which referred to as our divine right to be, you know, divine beings that we, what we really are, because neuro melanin and you melanin represents that. Mm-hmm. Like I told uh, one friend of mine that the more uh, neuro melanin and you melanin that you have in your central nervous system and darker your skin, the better solar inductor and solar capacity you are. Right. I talked about that on a uh, Rain and Woman's chat one time this past Sunday. Okay. So ever since I've been like uh, out and about working out at the gym at Planet Fitness, there's been certain <laughs> younger YouTubers have been asking me questions about stuff as I'm, you know, uh, training my weights and also my Qigong practice and that sort of thing. Good deal. Nice. Good to hear it. Yeah. I appreciate the info. Like I learn some new every day. I appreciate you calling in and, and letting let us know what's going on with that. And, and also, Sly, uh, you still gonna do the review of Body and Soul in nineteen eighty one? I got it. I got it in my phone. It's downloaded. I just gotta sit down and, and go over it. I got it though. Yeah, you know why they have Muhammad Ali in that movie, right? Um, enlighten us, please. Well, because uh, they couldn't deal with him in Rocket for some reason. You know, I heard that story. Okay. Gotcha. 
Okay. Yeah, because Muhammad Ali wasn't down with that, uh, that Rocky mess, man. But the only Rocky movie I actually liked was Rocky Three. Yeah, right? Because uh, he needed... He needed about the eye of the tiger. Yeah. And the, uh, and the inner uh, animal instinct he had to win. You know what I'm saying? And the eye that, of the tiger uh, killer instinct that he had. And I think the most and important part... about it, that Apollo Creed didn't work together. Right. The, that, that, that was the most important part for me in that movie, that he needed to go to the brother man... The, you know that he had to get his timing and his rhythm down because he didn't. He, <laughs> none of, I mean, it was yeah. yeah he had to go to the brother. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then also that swimming to get his inner body rhythm back in the box and then the swimming so he can like use muscles that he never discovered. Yet. That's right. That's right. So yeah, Creed taught him the secrets. So that's, what, that's why I had to learn the boxing too. Was the swimming. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah, I appreciate that. Definitely. Definitely. But now I, I got I got the movie locked in, so I'm I'm gonna get it I'm gonna get it done. Yeah, and also the thing about the Black Panther and the lion, they represent uh, the Egyptian sun deity Ra, Amun Ra, because to defeat the serpent Apophis, Ra, Amun Ra takes himself to the mouth, the great cat, a <laughs> cat man, the lion god. Okay. And that's the story. That's the basis for the Thundercats, because okay. uh, I know is Leo, and Jaga is the Jaguar. And according to the ancient Olmecs, when you hear the roar of the Jaguar, you hear thunder, mm-hmm. thundercat. Okay. Well, shit. You learn something new every day. I appreciate that. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I do thank you for calling back in and, and giving us those gems, Edward. Yeah, man. And uh, keep up those box lessons with your daughter, man. Because it'll come in handy because I'm teaching my niece how to box, too. Oh, yeah. She has no choice in that. That she's got, she's stuck with that. <laughs> all right, all right, OG. Okay. Well, I do thank you for call, calling in for tonight, sir. Thank you, pre- appreciate it. Yes, sir. You too. And with that, we're gonna wrap this up. Um, I appreciate everybody called in um, Art, Iron 5, X, um, Edward. Um, so you guys make the show and you make my job a lot easier. So with that being said, let me get out of here. Um, wish everybody adieu. Good night and uh, love and light. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Okay. No problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, It's coming, bro. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, it's got me. I'm I'm on the, the baby Yoda wave. I'm I'm looking for t-shirts now. So, you know. 
I need you to. <laughs> I'm with it. I'm with it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, considering it as dark this show is with Disney, yeah, it's probably as dark as it's going to be. Nah, nah. Yeah. No, 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 no genocide today. <laughs> right? Yeah. Man, you, yeah, go, go ahead, man. Yeah, you uh, complain. Go ahead and watch it. Get into it. Yeah. I got a, I got a few I got a few in the vault like um definitely I, I got to do my anime so I got my anime section blocked off I got so I'm gonna do Akira I'm gonna do Vampire Hunter D um and I'm gonna do uh Wicked City I believe oh my gosh yeah I gotta do Akira that's just that's just mandatory so I'm working my way towards that so when I do it I'll have my block. Just for, strictly for anime. So, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. It is, it is, it is. Uh, it, it takes, it just, that's just too much. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. That's too much. That's a lot. That's a lot. That is. Yep. Mhm. I'm sure you will. Okay. Yes, sir. All right.
Okay. Yes, sir. All right, peace. Yo, I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. Um, anime heads, who who's who's seen um, what is it called? Is it called Kagan? Kagan uh, Ashua or or shit? All I know is I thought it, it reminds me of Baki, right? It reminds me of Baki, and the the, the dude Oma Oma Toshido, he fucking dies. I was so pissed. Has anyone seen this an- the anime? It's called. Kagan Ashura, some, come on, anime heads. I know y'all are still in the. Y'all ain't left yet. Just, just humor me for like five minutes. <laughs> no, no one's, no one's like they like nigga. What you talking about? So no one knows what I'm talking about. His name is Oma, Oma Toshido, and he, you know, he's like a Baki, but and unlike this, unlike Baki, he fucking dies. Uh, he fucking dies. So I'm talking to myself. So y'all don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So y'all just like slides is bugging. No, yeah. No, okay. I guess y'all ain't seen his anime. All right. Okay. Yo, I'm gonna get out of here. <laughs> y'all have a good night. Um, yes, y'all have a good night. Love and light. Y'all have a good night. Peace again for the second time. No, wait, wait, wait. For real, no one's seen this anime. You haven't seen that? What the fuck? Baki's the shit. But this kid, it's it, it, it's called what? It, oh my god! Like Kagan, Kagan Ashua. His name is Oma Tohito. Y'all really ain't seen. Man, I need to talk about that one because I liked it. But season one obviously ends with the tournament of annihilation. They're in it. But he ends up fucking dying, man. This kid's badass. I'm like, oh, we got another Baki. No, this this guy dies. So, um, I, I guess. All right, I'm wrapping this up. Yeah, have a good one. Peace. <laughs>